This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Hello, and welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. My name is Amy. I'm your host here at the Worth Recovery podcast. I'm a sex addict, and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So I am just short of five years sober, which I'm so excited about. So just a few more days here, and uh, I will hit my five-year sobriety anniversary. And that's pretty exciting. Um, we're working right now through some episodes, uh, a series about letting go, letting go in recovery, just letting go in general. I explained before that I believe that there is a lot of lessons that nature has to teach us. The most important lesson for me that nature has taught me in my life so far is this, just this idea of starting over again, that every day we start over again. Everything in nature starts over again. Everything is cyclical. The days start over, the weeks start over, the months start over, the years start over, the seasons start over. Everything starts over again and there's kind of a cycle to it. And what that has taught me so far in my life, particularly around recovery, is that everything is cyclical and that there's always an option to start over. Always. And that that's part of life that I'm probably not gonna get it perfect every time around. Not every summer is exactly the same. Not every fall, not every Sunday, not every Monday is exactly the same. And that's okay, that's how it's supposed to be. And nature teaches us this lesson about starting over. I believe that every season has something to teach us as well. The current season where I'm at right now is fall. And fall teaches us, one of the lessons that falls teaches us is about this whole concept of letting go. We talked a lot about that in one of our previous episodes, just about what it means to let go and letting go in general. Today, I want to talk to you about letting go of expectations. So let me start with a story and then we'll get to how this relates to expectations. So a number of years ago, this was a long time ago, maybe not, uh, anyway, it feels like a long time ago. Um, I was living in California and my older sister uh, decided that she wanted to move in with me. Now we got along really well, I guess, kind of as, as little kids, but as we got older, two girls, we were close in age. We kind of just didn't really get along very well. We had some issues. And then as adults, at this point in our life, as adults, we had pretty much been estranged. Like we would talk to each other when we saw each other at family events. But other than that, there was pretty much no contact until one day my sister calls me up and says, hey, I'm going to be moving to your area. I'm wondering if we can move in together. And initially, I'll tell you, my reaction was like, no way in hell. But over a little bit of time, I thought, okay, I'll let her move in with me. And we went through an adjustment period. But let me tell you just a little bit about one story. Uh, We hadn't been living together for very long. It was in California. It was a Saturday morning. I think it was a Saturday. 
I woke up and was like, I'm going to the beach today. Like today is going to be a beach day. Actually, it wasn't Saturday because it was summer and school was out. We both taught high school. So it's probably a weekday of some sort. I don't usually go to the beach on Saturday in California because it's so busy. But anyway, summer during the week, we're going to the beach. And I invite my sister, hey, I'm going to go to the beach. Do you want to go to the beach with me? And she's all, yeah, of course I want to go to the beach with you. Okay. So we, you know, I was like, okay, I've got a few things to get done. And then I've got two errands to run on the way to the beach. She's like, okay. So we kind of get ready. We get packed up. We get in the car. And I have these two errands I've got to run really quickly. And to be honest, I don't remember what they are or what they were. Uh, But I remember that the second one took me a little bit longer than I anticipated. And I got back in the car after this second errand. Um, and my sister was on fire. She was like hot lava. Like there was just stuff ready to spew out of her mouth. And she didn't though at first. Um, but we got in the car and I was like, ah, sorry, that took a little bit longer than I expected. And she was like, whatever. And just kind of started that, like, I don't care. Stonewall me, you know, I was like, what beach do you want to go to? I don't care. Well, I mean, we've got lots of options here. Like, we got to make a decision. It doesn't matter. And then I said, okay, well, can we stop for a drink? And she was like, whatever. And I could just tell that there was like this animosity coming towards me on my side of the car. And I, at that time, I didn't understand what was going on or why she was so upset. So... In a stroke of brilliance beyond probably what my capability was at that moment in time, I realized that there was something going on here. And I said to her, I said, I explained to that I had to stop and make those two errands, um, you know, when we were going. And she's like, whatever. And she just like would not engage with me at all. Okay, I'm going to stop and get a drink. Okay, whatever. Well, where do you want to go to the beach? I don't care. And it was just really difficult. And so in that moment, I realized there was something going on here. And I said, you know, you can't hold me accountable for expectations that you haven't voiced. And she's like, I don't know what you mean. I said, well, obviously you expected things to go a little bit differently today um, or so far today. And I, I thought that I was clear on what I, you know, what I was going to do and And so you obviously thought things were going to go differently because you're upset. And she got a little bit more upset. And there, I think, was some yelling and some different things. And then finally, she came out and said, well, I just expected that we would just go straight to the beach. Like, I said, well, I told you I had to run two errands. And she goes, yeah, but not like 30 minutes worth of errands. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I didn't realize it was going to take that long either. But there were some expectations there. And we started this conversation about expectations. And then I said, well, where do you want to go to the beach? And then, you know, it came out. Well, I just expected that we were going to go to Malibu. I was like, well, I don't really like Malibu. Well, you know, and she kind of was upset. It wasn't a very, like, nice conversation, let me say that. Uh, But it was a conversation about expectations. Probably the first conversation about expectations I had ever had in my life. And I realized in that moment that I also had a lot of expectations that weren't being voiced. Um... And I expected things that just I hadn't really talked about or um, that I didn't even realize I was expecting um, on where we would go, what we would do, all sorts of things like that. 
And so for the first time in my life, as a, and I was an adult, right? I think I was like 30-ish. I was having a conversation about expectations. Now, as we, the day didn't end up very fun, right? We did go to the beach and uh, I learned also like, I love the water. The beach to me is all about getting in the water and doing stuff. Well, that's not the case for my sister. So the beach for my sister is all about sitting in the sand and reading a book and just relaxing. Well, that's a little bit different experience, you know, between the two of us. And so um, we, over the course of the next year, had to learn to adjust to each other. I think one of, um, about one of our trips to Target. When I go to Target, I like to walk up and down every aisle and look. I'm a looker. I'm not a shopper so much, but I like to look. My sister likes to get in and get out. I think she probably like calculates the minimum number of steps it would take to buy everything she needs. Uh, the fastest way that she can get through the store and then get out as quickly as possible. I remember the time that I invited her to Target with me and she said, uh, are you looking or buying? And it kind of took me back for a second and I realized my expectation of going to Target is to look. She had noticed that pattern, but I wasn't even aware of it. Um, I, of course she noticed that pattern because she got frustrated with me when I was like, ah, oh, let's do this. Let's go here. Let's look at this. Let's go there. And she just wanted to get in and out. So over the course of the first few years that we lived together, it was kind of a learning experience as I learned about my own expectations of things and she learned about hers. And then we learned how to voice them. And honestly, I think she got better at it faster than I did. I might've had the recognition at first, but she got better at it faster than I did. And over the years that we lived together, our relationship got better as we adjusted to these expectations that we had that sometimes we didn't even know or weren't even aware about. Like my expectation of what happens when I go to Target to shop. I've learned a lot about expectations in recovery. I've learned a lot about a lot of things, but expectations particularly because they affect our entire lives. So I wanted to just share with you today a few of these expectation lessons that I've learned. And especially this idea of letting go of these expectations, which we'll get to at the end. So the first lesson that I want to share with you about expectations is that we always have expectations. We always have them. Even if we don't recognize them at first. One of the first things I had to learn about expectations is that they are always there. Always. And they can be extensive, like really extensive. I have expectations about how I should behave at 41. That's how old I am right now. Expectations about what I should know by now, right? Expectations about what my life would look like at this point in time, what my house and car would look like. I have expectations around what it means to be a teacher, the code of behavior that comes along with that. I have expectations around what it means to be a member of my family, how I should act and respond, what I should do, what I should be loyal to, how I should feel. All of these things are expectations that I have in my life. I have expectations around therapy, around recovery, around cost, around activities, around what I need to be doing, the amount of level, the amount and level of work I want to do, and the amount and level of work that other people should be doing. I have expectations around holidays and birthdays, around special events. I have expectations around how I should feel about certain people or certain events in my life. I have expectations about how things should work out 
<laughs> um, that if I do things a certain way, then this should be the result. I have expectations there. I had a whole life plan and a set of expectations for how my life was going to look at different places and different stages of my life. None of which has come true, by the way. Zero, zip, zilch. But I did have this whole set of expectations. I have expectations on how I should be treated, how other people should respond or react to me. I have expectations around that. I have expectations around my relationship with my higher power, how that should look and how that should feel. And if I do certain things that my higher power will respond accordingly, I have these expectations. These are just some of the expectations I have awareness of. And again, that's a drop in the bucket compared to some of them. I've also learned there there is a whole set of expectations that I don't even really know about myself. <laughs> uh, like when I started living with my sister, we started traveling together, and I didn't I didn't realize like I, when I travel, my expectation is I'm a doer. I get as many things done and packed into this trip as possible. I want to see lots of different things. I want to go lots of different places. I kind of had this expectation about what travel looked like. Well, my sister. She's a relaxer. I'm a doer, excuse me, and she is more of a relaxation specialist. She wants to sit around with a book and a good meal, and she's totally happy. So we had these different expectations about what we would do when we traveled, and it caused some conflict. These were expectations I didn't even realize I had or that I was operating under or that was controlling my behavior. I told you about Target already. You know, that's pretty true of almost all. All my shopping, I like to look. I like to walk up and down every aisle and look at things. It's just what I do. It's a, I don't know, it's just something I do. But I didn't realize that that was an expectation I had when I was shopping and that other people didn't have that expectation. These are some of the additional expectations that I learned about myself being in recovery. I have expectations around what being a sex addict means. I have a hard time. I had a hard time at the beginning identifying myself as a sex addict because I wasn't creepy. At least I didn't think I was creepy. I just assumed that all sex addicts were creepy. And maybe I was and I didn't know it, but I had this kind of weird expectation. I had this whole stereotype in my mind of what a sex addict was or is and I didn't fit that mold. And so I had to let go of that expectation I had around what being a sex addict meant. I had expectations about what it would take to heal. I certainly didn't think it would take as long as it has or is taking, I should say. I expected that admitting it and deciding I wanted to change would be enough. I had no idea how truly difficult it would be to make those changes. As I've worked hard in recovery to change, I've learned even more about some of the expectations that have been running my life. Things that I had really no idea about. I have the expectation that if I say the right thing and respond perfectly, the other person will also say and do the right thing, at least according to what I want them to do, right? What I think the right thing is. My therapist calls this magical thinking, and she's totally right. It's the expectation that I can somehow manipulate the other person by being perfect on my end, right? It's a lot of where my perfectionism comes from. Maybe you expect that. Do you expect or feel like if I say or do the right thing, the other person will respond the way that I want them to? Uh, That's an expectation that I've had in my life that has kind of created some problems for me. 
I have expectations in general about what relationships are, how they should happen, and what is healthy or not. For example, going into recovery, I had this whole like idea that if someone really loved me, they would know what I want and I need what I need without having to ask, um, and that they would be able to just fulfill it. And that's total BS, by the way. P.S. If you have that belief or that thought, that's nah, not real. But I had this expectation that that's what relationships were, that without even voicing it, or maybe even without being aware of it even, the other person would know how to take care of me and fulfill my needs. And that was an expectation I had of relationships. It's an expectation that doesn't work. I have expectations that I shouldn't have to voice my expectations. (laughs) People should be able to just figure that out. Like I said, that's how I was raised. My parents never voiced their expectations or told me how I should or shouldn't behave. It was always just a guessing game. Therefore, I became really attuned to body language and subtle responses that would help me to know what to do. I expect that other people are the same way. That without having to voice my expectations, people would just respond accordingly. And again, total BS right? Um, It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way at all. So the first thing you need to know about expectations is that they are always there. They always exist. Even when we say they don't, they do. We have to look for those hidden expectations that we have. I want you to think about some of the expectations you might have. Maybe it's the expectation around what people should do Maybe it's the expectation around what your own recovery should look like. Think about some of the expectations that you have that are maybe causing some problems for you. Now, the second thing I've learned about expectations as um, in recovery is that this one, and you might not like this one, but it's true, is that as adults, we are 100% responsible for them. 100%. So... What I've learned about expectations is that we are 100% responsible for those expectations as result, as adults we are. And I understand that this can get a little messy and maybe that's not sitting very well with you, right? Like maybe you feel a lot of external pressure around some of these expectations. So let me kind of explain where I'm coming from. We have external expectations, expectations from others that are placed upon us. They can be from other individual people. They can be from organizations, from religions we belong to, from society, from social media. They can be from all sorts of things. Maybe from the magazine that you flip through and you see this beautifully organized house and you put this expectation, the expectation is that my house should look like that. We have these external, sorry, there's a lot of like E words. We have this external expectations placed upon us. Now, most of the addicts that I've worked with, myself included, we don't really have a filter for these expectations. And this is where the problem comes in. We feel them, they are voiced to us, we see them, and we just absorb and accept them. Not accept them, but accept, yeah, you got it, right? We just absorb them and accept them as part of who we are. We take them on and we make them internal. We don't sit back and evaluate if this expectation is good for me or not, if it's realistic or not, if it's going to get me to where I want to go or not. We don't evaluate the expectation at all. We just absorb it and internalize it. 
Now, we also have internal expectations, expectations we have placed upon ourselves. Some of these come innately from within us. They are authentic expectations of who we are and how we act and behave. They're also authentic innate boundaries we have around how we interact with people, right? They're authentic and innate, things that come with us. The problem here is that we also absorb these expectations from others in our lives that aren't necessarily innate or authentic. As children, we are susceptible to the expectations that other people place upon us. We internalize these expectations and they drive our behavior for the rest of our lives. And so as children, if this happened a lot to us or we lived in a home where expectations weren't voiced, um, then we don't learn about boundaries. We don't learn about how to filter expectations. We don't learn about whether that is true or not, whether that works for me or not, whether that's helping me or hurting me. We don't, we don't learn about that at all. We don't learn about those things if we grow, grow up in a home where this isn't discussed. And so our problem as adults is that though we are 100% responsible for the expectations that we have in our lives, a lot of these we have to sort through because we don't know if they we just absorbed them as children or even as adults. We don't know if they're real or authentic or if they're being placed upon us and it doesn't work for us. We have no evaluation system, no filter. And so, yes, we are 100% responsible for them, And we're 100% responsible for the expectations that we allow to control our actions and our behavior. However, this brings me to my third point, okay? And this is the third and final point of our podcast today, is that one of the major things that I've learned in recovery about expectations is the need I have to let them go. Because we don't know. We don't know where they came from. And we have to take them out, evaluate them, decide what we're keeping, and then move from there. Similar to shame, expectations can bind us. They force us into patterns of behavior that can be damaging and harmful to ourselves and to others. Let me give you some examples. If I expect the person who loves me to automatically know all of my needs and to step in and help fulfill them, I'm setting both them and myself up for total failure. If you've ever thought, if you really loved me, then you would know, dot, 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 right? You have an unrealistic expectation of what love means. One that you need to let go of. This is true for me. I had this expectation that people would automatically know. If they loved me, they would know how to blah, blah, blah. They would know that I need blah, blah, blah. They would know how to respond, dot, 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 whatever it is, right? That if they loved me, they would just know those things. But truth is, I don't even know all those things, guys. Like, how can I expect someone else to know what I don't know, right? And so these are unrealistic expectations I place on other people that I get into relationships with. I've had to learn to let these expectations go. Let me give you another example. If my birthday is coming up, which it is, and I want to eat at a certain place or have expectations that certain people will acknowledge my birthday or do certain things... I need to either voice those expectations, take 100% responsibility for them, like we talked about, or I need to let them go. One of the phrases that I use all of the time with the women that I coach and the sponsors, sponsees that I have is this, unvoiced expectations are resentment waiting to happen. 
I'll repeat that one more time. Unvoiced expectations are resentment waiting to happen. See, if I have expectations on how something should go and I don't tell that to other people and then it doesn't go according to my expectations, I'm going to resent them. So I've set them up again for a failure situation, right? I have these expectations. I haven't told them about my expectations. And so when they don't fulfill those expectations, I'm going to be resentful. Well, how can they do something that they don't know that they're expected to do, right? If we don't let these expectations go or voice them and take 100% responsibility, we're going to end up hurt and resentful. Unvoiced expectations is just resentment waiting to happen. I'll give you one more final example. My first therapist in sex addiction told me that healing is a three to five year process. And honestly, that was one of the best things that he could have ever done for me because it set me up for the long game. I knew that it was going to take a long time. However, I have met so many people who with six sessions with the therapist and a few months of sobriety and they think, wow, I'm good. I am healed. I am ready to go, right? They expect healing to ch- and change to be quick and painless, They have the expectation for a quick resolution to a problem that has plagued them for years. And sometimes we hear those stories. We hear about the drunk who attends AA one time and never drinks again and is totally healed. Or we hear about stories about how God has changed some people overnight and that they have no more desire to act out in any way. And we internalize this and we say, I must not be doing a good job because I struggle with the temptation to act out every single freaking day, right? We listen to a story and we create an expectation that says, it should happen that way for me. And if it doesn't, then I'm not working a recovery program. And again, here I call BS, people. I believe in miracles. I do think that things like this can 100% happen. And I also believe from experience that more often than not, there are additional details here that we don't know. Here's my example. I know of a man who stopped acting out the day he entered his S fellowship program. He just stopped. He never acted out again, ever. I met him when he had been sober for about 20 years. It was maybe 18-ish years. Um, That's a long time. And he was speaking at a retreat. However, while the men loved hearing from him, He could not handle female sex addicts. He was very uncomfortable with the idea and said as much. He wouldn't speak to us. He hardly gave us the time of day. And when questions were asked about female addicts, rather than, you know, refer to the females in the room, he just answered the questions. Um, Speaking for us when he's not really a female, right? So, yeah, he stopped acting out. But sobriety, people, is only a portion of the healing. True recovery and healing is a whole lot more than just stopping acting out. So good for him for the miracle of sobriety. And I call it a miracle. That one time and he never acted out again. But now it's time to address some of the fundamental issues that he might have with women that caused him to act out in the first place. Because there is more to recovery and healing than just sobriety. If we want true recovery and healing, we have to learn to recognize our expectations. We have to evaluate them and either voice them or let them go. 
I would advocate that you have the courage to question every single expectation you have in your life. Every single one of them. One day while I was sitting in my office at work, I pulled out a raspberry Nutri-Grain bar. I think I've told you this story again before, but it's worth hearing again. So I'm at work. It's 10 o'clock. I pulled out a raspberry Nutri-Grain bar and started to eat it. Like I had done every morning around 10 a.m. for years of my life. Literally, I think at that point in time, it had been about seven years. About three bites in to this Nutri-Grain bar, I said to myself, I don't like this. I don't like the taste of it. I don't like the fake, like really overly sugary raspberry flavor. I don't like the texture. I don't really like anything about it. I looked at it for a second and then I threw it away. And I haven't had a Nutri-Grain bar since. But the question that kept lingering in my mind is, why did I even start and why did I continue for years when I didn't even like them? And the answer is e-diets. Years before, I had started a diet program on e-diets that gave a huge explanation about why Nutri-Grain bars were the perfect snack for 10 a.m. in the morning, right? I adopted this expectation that at 10 a.m. every morning, I needed a Nutri-Grain bar. And for years, I had been doing that, even though I hadn't been following the rest of the diet. But somewhere, somehow, this one expectation of having a Nutri-Grain bar at 10 a.m. had had gotten through my filter and into my life. So much integrated into my life that I didn't even realize why I was doing it and that for years of my life, I did something and ate something that I did not like. Crazy. It's crazy to me that sometimes expectations can control our behavior almost unknowingly for many years of our lives. If we truly want to be free of resentment, And if we truly want to work on recovery and have healthy relationships, one of the things we have to do is to start taking responsibility for our own expectations. And again, that process is to recognize them, evaluate them, and then either voice them to ourselves and to the people around us or to let the expectation go. During this season of fall, this letting go that the world is doing naturally What expectations can you let go of? Maybe it's the expectation of how a wife or a mother should act or behave. Maybe it's the expectations of your own recovery or healing, how far along you should be by now, or what recovery should look like for you. Maybe it's the expectations around the upcoming holidays. Maybe it's the expectation of how women should behave or look or act. Maybe it's the expectation of what you should be able to do or accomplish in one day of your life. There are so many expectations, hidden and visible, that drive our lives and dictate how we believe we should behave. A great example, um, one that I was recently having a conversation about, is sleep. No matter how much the scientists tell us that we need eight hours of sleep, and technically what they're coming out recently is that women even need more than that, nine hours of sleep a night, We believe and have this expectation that we don't need that much sleep, that somehow we are different and unique and that we can live on five or six hours of sleep. Coming to the realistic expectation that I need nine hours of sleep was difficult for me, but has been one of the life-changing things I've done in recovery is acknowledge my need for more sleep and to prioritize that and get it. 
Whatever it is, whatever expectations are holding you back right now, I want you to think about those and see if you can let go of those expectations. As we end today, I just want to share that my personal story says that the more expectations I voice or let go of, right? I either put them out there in the world and voice them or I let go of them, the more content I am in my life, the more settled I feel with who I am and in my relationships, the more responsible I feel for my own life, the more direction I feel, and more importantly, for me, recovery is all about healthy relationships. The more expectations I voice or let go of, the more willing I am to engage with other people and the healthier my relationships become because I'm able to express what I need and I'm able to let go of the unrealistic expectations I have of relationships. So I hope today you can think about a few of those expectations that are, run, that are running in your life and maybe causing some problems for you. Maybe think about where they came from why you absorbed them, how you got them, and decide, make an evaluation. Is this an expectation I want to continue to try to live up to and run with my life? Or is this an expectation I need to let go of? And either way that you'll voice it or let go of it and take 100% responsibility for the expectations of your life. As always, my friends, I hope that you remember that you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how shameful you feel, no matter what you're currently holding on to, no matter how many expectations are running wild in your life, no matter what others around you are saying or doing or how far you think you've gone, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I believe in you and I know that you can do this. So keep up the fight. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.